Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right. Well, I want to welcome you again. So glad you're here today. I also want to take a second and welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad that you're tuning in today. And if you're joining us for the first time or maybe the first time in a while, I want to draw your attention to our Connect card. Uh, I want to ask you to take a second during service today and fill this out for me. There's a few ways you can do it. You can point your phone camera to that QR code on the screen. You can text us numbers there on the screen, or if you received a paper bulletin on your way and you can fill out that card and drop it in the plates as you leave today. We just want to get some information from you so that we can get connected with you uh, and serve you the best way that we can. But I'm just so glad that you're here today uh, for the, the fourth week of this series that we're in called Family Life. And in this series, we're talking about raising up the next generation and the importance of doing that well. And we're talking about how we do that. Uh, and we've been really building this case that the most important family value is deep relational connection with God and with one another. That's what we want in our families. You know, when we think about raising our kids or raising up the next generation, we don't really want our children to grow up and leave the house and say, well, I survived, right? That's not what we want for them. We want them to grow up and leave the house and say, my home was a safe place. My home was a stable place. My home was a place of peace. And I know that I'm loved by God and by my family. That's what we want. We want to raise our children up in such a way that they know without a shadow of a doubt that they are loved by God and by their family. Uh, and I just want to reassure you this morning, if you came in here today as a mom, if you came in here today as a dad, as a grandparent, a great-grandparent, a future mom, a future dad, as a person who's investing in the next generation through the ministry of the church, even if you don't have children of your own, that's okay. Whatever your connection may be to the next generation, God wants you to succeed in this. He wants you to win. He's on your side. He's assigned you to it. He's called you to it. He's preparing you for it. And with his help, you can do it. So as we get in this morning, I want to let you know this one today is probably without a doubt the heaviest message of this series. This one's going to be a little bit more difficult, but it's very important that we address this topic while we're taking the time to talk about the next generation and raising uh, children. So we're going to have this one today, we're going to wrap it up next week, and then we'll, we'll move on to something different. But when it comes to parenting, when it comes to raising up the next generation, one of the most common questions we get asked has to do with discipline. So today we're going to talk about discipline. If I were to ask, what questions do you have about parenting? There are three questions that would always come up first, and one of them has to do with discipline. Typically, that's the very first question. What does the Bible say about discipline? Should I discipline my children this way or should I discipline them this way? Should I do this or should I not do this? Does this work? Does this not work? And when we talk about the word discipline, the very first question that almost always comes up is, should I spank my children? That's it. That's the number one question. That's the number one thing on our minds. For whatever reason, that, of all things, is our first thought. That's our first priority. The first question is almost never, how do I teach my children to love Jesus? The first question is almost never, how can I teach them how to pray? No, the first question is almost always, can I spank them? So here's what I'm gonna do today. I'm not gonna answer that question. 
I'm not. Because it's not an important question, to be honest with you. It's not the ultimate question. I don't think that's what matters most in the eyes of God. And here's what I found. When people ask me that question, they're not asking because they want the answer. They're asking because they want my opinion. When someone says, can I spank my kids? They've already made up their minds. They've already made their decision. They already know their answer. They just want to know what my opinion is. So I'm not going to oblige. (laughs) But when we get into people's opinions, we very quickly find that people feel very strongly about whatever their opinion is. We feel so strongly about it that when we see a parent struggling in the store, having trouble with their child, we stop and say, you know what really works? You know what I did when I was raising my children? They acted that way. I popped them right here in the store. And people go on into this diatribe about how effective it was and how much it helped. But can I spank my children is not the ultimate question. It's not the most important question. So I'm not even going to answer it. We're just going to move right along past it. But when we talk about discipline, that's the question. The second question is this. Well, what about time out? If we're going to move past spanking, how about time out? And again, people just want to know my opinion. They've already made up their minds. So I'm not going to answer that question either. But if those are the questions that come to mind when I say discipline, I want you to stick with me. My prayer for us today is that we will allow our definition of discipline to be reshaped a little bit. The third question is, is duct tape legal, right? Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. So today we're going to talk about discipline. But I really want us to strike that word for a second, and I want us to think about discipleship. We're going to talk about why. We're going to talk about how these things are related. Uh, But people love to debate about what's right and what's wrong. People love to debate about what they think the Bible says regarding these issues and these questions. And there are a few places in the Old Testament that reference uh, corporal punishment or physical discipline. And we could spend all day talking about that. We could spend all day with our opinions debating whether or not we think that translates a certain way, debating whether or not we think that was cultural or not, debating whether or not we think that fits or not. We could spend all day debating about whether or not we should adopt that practice. And we're not going to do that because I want us to spend our time talking about something that is far more important than any of those things. When we look at what the Bible has to say about discipline, we find that this is a much bigger issue than just correction. But the problem is when we think of discipline, we equate it to correction. When we think about discipline, we just want to know, how do I correct the bad behavior, right? How do I correct the behavior that's just been committed that really bothered me? We tend to think about discipline only in terms of correction. How do I correct the behavior? And here's the thing about that behavior. That behavior that you're wanting to correct is in the past, Whether it's 10 seconds in the past or 10 days in the past, it's in the past. Now, does correction have a role to play in discipline? Absolutely. Is correction the pinnacle of what discipline should be? Absolutely not. And if the only discipline you're giving your children is correction, then you're taking a lazy approach, okay? Here's the big point I want us to unpack together this morning, and this is wordy. Our role as parents is to align our children with the pathway that leads them toward the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose for their lives, okay? Now, the key word in this run-on sentence that I wrote is there, there. 
Our role as parents is to align our children with the pathway that leads them toward the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose for their lives. For whose lives? Their lives. Our role as people who are investing in the next generation is to align these children with the pathway that that leads them toward the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose for their lives. And as we align them with that pathway, we lovingly offer discipline when necessary to return them to that pathway, okay? So yes, correction has a role, but discipline is much bigger than just correction. Discipline is how we help our children discover the pathway that leads them toward the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose for their lives. Discipline is how we keep them on that pathway. And correction plays a role in that, especially in their early years, right? The younger they are, the more they need to be corrected and brought back to that pathway, all right? It's like teaching a child how to ride a bike for the very first time. And I have a confession to make. I didn't learn how to ride a bike until I was eight years old, okay? I was a late bloomer. My mom's the only one who laughed. I was a late bloomer, but I caught up. You should see me ride a bike today, all right? I've figured it out. I'm a pro. Um, But when we teach children how to ride a bike, which I haven't gotten here yet, I could barely teach myself, right? (laughs) When we teach children how to ride a bike for the first time, we spend a lot of time getting them back on track. When they're first learning how to ride a bike, we have to help them steady the wheel. And as they learn to steady the wheel a little bit better, they start to go further and further and further. But starting out, they're pretty shaky, right? Starting out, they need our help staying on path. Starting help, starting out, we need to, to help them steer and navigate and remain steady. And in the same way, when it comes to life, our job is to help our children steady the wheel and steer them back onto the pathway that leads to Jesus. When it comes to life, our job is to keep them on the pathway that is healthy, the pathway that is right. And that is where discipline and correction come into play. In other words, Correction should never be about your feelings. Correction should never be about you. Correction should never be about you feeling better at the end of the day because you put your foot down. Correction is about them. It's about God's purpose for your children. It's about aligning them with his plan and pathway for their lives. So I don't want us to see discipline as correcting a past behavior. I want us to see discipline as shaping a better future. And that's what biblical discipline is, okay? The Bible tells us that God disciplines us because he loves us. That's why he does it. That is a scriptural reality. And sometimes that discipline feels heavy. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult to walk through, but that is how God keeps us on track. That's how he keeps us on our pathway. He disciplines us because he loves us. But the reality is that discipline is a relatively small piece of my relationship with God, okay? And in the same way, discipline correction should be a relatively small piece of our role when it comes to raising up the next generation, all right? I wanna read a very popular verse that we read when it comes to raising up children. Proverbs chapter 22, verse six, it says this. Direct your children onto the right path and when they are older, they will not leave it, okay? 
And that's a great verse, a lot of excellent wisdom there, but I wanna make something crystal clear about this verse right here, okay? Please don't hate me because I'm getting ready to decimate what you've been saying for years probably. This verse comes from the book of Proverbs, okay? Proverbs is a very unique and special book of the Bible. And here's what it means about this verse. This verse was never intended to be a promise, okay? This verse was never intended to be a guarantee. And here's why. The book of Proverbs is a very unique and special book of the Bible that we call wisdom literature. And wisdom literature is not the same thing as prophecy. Is it inspired by God? Absolutely. Is this a good verse to listen to? Absolutely. We should read every verse in the book of Proverbs and apply every single one of them to our lives. But it's never meant to be a guarantee. It's meant to be wisdom, okay? In other words, the book of Proverbs, it's not a list of promises that I cling to that are always going to come to pass. Proverbs are things that are usually true. Proverbs are things that are typically true. Proverbs are things that are likely true and they always would be true if sinful humanity wasn't involved in the equation, all right? Proverbs, they speak about what is likely, not what is guaranteed. Wisdom literature is simply wisdom. Yes, it's inspired by God. Yes, it is perfect advice. It's the best advice you could ever receive. Yes, we should apply every verse of Proverbs to our lives. But the purpose of the book is not to give us a money back guarantee. Instead, it's meant to guide us as wisdom. And here's why I'm pointing this out. People reference this verse and they say, well, I know my children are off doing such and such right now, but I raise them better than that. I train them better than that. This isn't what I taught them about life. But I know based on the book of Proverbs that even though they stray maybe for a season that they're gonna come back to God. God promised that if I train them up right, they would not depart from it. And that is not true in every person. That is not true in every family. And the biggest issue that I have with this idea is our very broken understanding of what it means to train them up, right? We think training them up has to do with what I tell them. Training them up means I've told them everything they've needed to know. And if that's what you think it means to train them up, then let me ask you this question. You may have told them, but have you shown them? So discipline and discipleship, they go hand in hand. Here's the definition for discipleship. Discipleship is life-on-life training by both message and example, okay? Message and example. It's very important to remember that training our children up, it's not just about telling them. Training them up doesn't mean that we're sending them out into a world with a list of facts or data or rules or values or whatever. It's bigger than that. It's life-on-life, heart-to-heart, relational training in the trenches of life, walking through tough things together, being there for them, connecting soul to soul, engaging and in sharing life. That's the kind of discipleship Jesus did when he was here on earth. And that's the kind of discipleship he calls us to embody as parents, as people who are raising up the next generation. It's life on life training by both message and example. The problem is, Christians have gotten really good at the message piece. Message simply is not good enough. It's not enough. 
And if we focus so much on the message that we fail on the example, which is the real importance of discipline and discipleship, then we've not set them up for any amount of success. We can tell them everything right. We can tell them everything they need to know about God and his love. But if we're not embodying that love and showing it to them, they're never gonna understand it. We can tell our kids, love your neighbor as yourself. But if we aren't loving our neighbor as ourselves, they're never going to understand it. Again, the problem is we've gotten really good at telling them, but we've gotten really lazy when it comes to being a good example of what it actually looks like, okay? Now, remember what I said last week, it's never too late to repair. It's never too late to right some wrongs. It's never too late to ask for forgiveness and fix some things. You're never going to be a perfect example, but we cannot sacrifice the example piece. And I see a lot of parents who have completely sacrificed the example piece. They have completely sacrificed deep relational connection. And yes, they've taught their children the message. Yes, they've given them all the right rules to follow, but the relationship was completely sacrificed and they're sitting back wondering, what happened to my children? And they cling to Proverbs 22, six, and they say, I taught them all the right things. I told them what they need to believe. I taught them how to behave, great. But did you show them? Discipline and discipleship, they go hand in hand. And discipleship, it's life on life training by both message and example, all right? So I want us to take a look at what the Bible has to say in Ephesians chapter six, talks a little bit about the relationship between children and parents. Verse one, it says this, children obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. This is the right thing to do. And everybody said, amen. Amen. If the children were in here with us today, we'd say, obey your parents. You're obligated. They're in your life as authority figures. They're the leader. They're the guide. They're the teacher. They're pointing you to Jesus. So you have to obey them. Praise God. Paul goes on to say, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will live a long life on the earth. In other words, obey your parents. Things will go well for you. You're gonna live a long time because they're not gonna kill you, right? (laughs) Just kidding. This first commandment, it has a promise attached to it. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well. You'll live a long life on the earth. In other words, if you listen to mom and dad, who are looking out for your safety, you'll live longer, right? This is an issue of living in obedience and submission to authority. And if you figure that out when you're young with mom and dad, it's gonna help you down the road. That's what he's saying. Verse four, we're addressing a different group now. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from where? that comes from the Lord. So again, sometimes we think we've done our job because of the spankings and the timeouts, right? Sometimes we think we've done our job because we've told them everything they should do. We've said all the right things. We've told them what to believe. We've told them how to behave, but that's not it. Paul says, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Remember, discipline is telling and showing. 
Discipline and discipleship, they go hand in hand. And discipleship is life on life training by both message and example, okay? Now again, none of this is 100% universal. In other words, you can be an amazing parent. You can raise your children up in such a way that you're telling them and showing them. You can do everything right. You can be an excellent example of Jesus and they can still walk away. You can do everything right and they can still make bad decisions. You can do everything right and they can still do the wrong thing. And that doesn't make you a bad parent because this is not a guarantee. People make decisions. Sinful humanity is involved in this equation. In the same way, it can happen. Children can grow up with parents who, if we're just being honest, aren't good parents. They don't connect with their children. They don't care about their children. They don't spend time with their children. They're just detached and disconnected. And those children can grow up and become incredible people who follow Jesus, right? These aren't universal rules. This is just wisdom. But Paul, he's saying, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you lead them. When Paul says this, I don't think he's saying that we shouldn't discipline our children. I think he understands that if we're being really honest, we sometimes have a personal agenda involved when it comes to discipline. That behavior really annoys me. That behavior really bothers me. You're questioning my sense of authority. You're insulting my sense of authority. I've told you once already, and you're still not listening to me. You're still not respecting me. If we aren't careful, it very quickly becomes about me and my opinions and my way and my authority. It gets personal. And now we're disciplining our children for personal reasons. And when we do that, we typically end up treating them poorly. And as Paul says, we provoke them to anger. So he gives us an alternative. He says, rather than doing that, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And this is an idea that we see in almost every single one of Paul's letters. When Paul talks about certain behaviors in life, He doesn't always just reference an Old Testament commandment as a basis for this. He doesn't just point us to a cultural standard of right and wrong. He always points us back to Jesus, right? He says, rather than doing that, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from where? That comes from the Lord. In other words, he's saying, take them by the hand and lead them in the way of Jesus, right? He's pointing us back to Jesus. So our role as parents is to align our children with the pathway that leads them toward the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose for their lives. And we lovingly offer discipline when necessary to keep them on that pathway or to return them to that pathway. So we align our children with God's plans for their lives and we take them by the hand and we lead them in the way of Jesus. We teach them to know Jesus. We teach them to understand who Jesus is. We teach them to understand what Jesus is like. And when we lead our children to Jesus, what we're giving them is a perfect example to follow. It's this idea of Paul, follow me as I follow Jesus, right? We're not just giving them a long list of do's and don'ts. We're not just giving them a long list of rules to follow. We're literally leading them to Jesus. So I wanna charge every single one of you today, show the children around you the example of Jesus. 
the bottom line is this. Real discipline and training, these things happen through deep relational connection, not by sharing information, okay? Training them up. When we think of training, here's what comes to my mind. I think of the day I started my job at another job and I watched a PowerPoint presentation and I signed a document at the end saying, I understand this. That's what I think of when I think of training, right? Or I think of school, right? I think of sitting at my desk and opening my books and listening to the teacher and absorbing all of this information and being tested on it, right? These are the things that come to mind when we think of the word training, but that is not how Jesus trained. Jesus trained by saying, won't you come and follow me? Won't you come stay with me? Won't you come sit with me? And we'll talk about life. We'll talk about important things like faith, hope, and love. Jesus' method of teaching, it was all about deep relational connection. It was all about doing life together. He walked hand in hand with his disciples and he trained them every step of the way by how he lived his life. So it's safe to say that Jesus didn't think of training in terms of lecturing about information. Were there times that Jesus taught that way? Absolutely. But the real training his disciples experienced from him was training that he lived with his life. And the reality that we're facing today is that we're watching an entire generation of people walk away from the church. We're watching an entire generation of people walk away from Jesus. It's happening statistically more today than it's ever happened before. And it's not because we haven't given them all the information. It's because we've replaced deep relational connection with a big download of information. And the information helps them, but it doesn't lay a foundation because real discipleship and training is not information, it's example. It's relationship. So when it comes to raising up children, raising up the next generation, we can scare them into believing all the right things or we can take them by the hand and build a deep relational connection with them and lead them in the way of Jesus. One way works, one way doesn't. That's it. So now that I've put all that out there, now that we understand what training them up is, now that we understand what discipleship is, now that we understand that it's all about relationship and message and example, what are the things we want to train our children to know? I'm gonna give you six things today. These are things that come all throughout scripture. They're pretty general things, all right? Now that we know about training and discipleship and discipline, what all that is about, these are the things that I pray my children will know for all of their lives. And these are things that require both message and example. These are things that require both my word and my deed in order for them to stick, okay? Six things I want to train my children to know. The first one is this, you belong in God's family. I want my children to know that the Christian faith is not a religion that they subscribe to, okay? There are plenty of those out there. We're not going to treat our faith as such. I want them to know Jesus, that's it. I want them to know the difference between right and wrong. I don't just want them to know that. I want them to know Jesus because one of those two things is going to save them for all of eternity and one is just gonna help them maybe make better decisions. 
I want my children to know that they belong in God's family. And the way that they enter into God's family is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's our savior, our redeemer. He's the one who paid for our sins. I want my children to know that. You belong in God's family. You can have a relationship with Jesus. And in order for them to know it, they need to see it in me. They need to know who he is. They need to know that that's what my life is built on. And they need to be able to tell. They need to hear it and they need to see it. And as a pastor, I have these conversations all the time with parents. The parents say, hey, my kid is asking me what it means to know Jesus. Can I bring them to you so you can tell them? And yes, the answer is always yes. I would love to talk to you and your children, but I need you to show them too (laughs) because you're way more important in their lives than I'll ever be. So what do I do? I serve up some softballs to the parents and I allow them to guide their children because they need to hear it from mom and dad. They need to see it in mom and dad. You can do this, right? You'll never be a perfect example. You're never gonna get it perfectly right. Sometimes we will get it horribly wrong. We all will. But when it comes to sharing the love of Jesus with your children, nobody has a greater responsibility to do that than mom and dad. And the rest of us, we're here to help. The grandparents, they're here to help. The church is here to help. But the church must never be the primary vehicle for discipleship in your children's lives. We're not here to replace mom and dad. We're here to come alongside mom and dad. We're here to equip parents. We're here to partner with parents. We want our children to know that they belong in God's family. Here's the second thing as we train up our children. I want them to know you are fearfully and wonderfully made, all right? I want my children to know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. In other words, you are infinitely valuable to the God who created you. I want them to know that. I want them to believe that. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter what they're shaped like. It doesn't matter what their physical tendencies may or may not be. Those are all things that they're going to have to deal with as they grow up. Those are all things that are going to hurt them as they grow up. Those are all things that other people are gonna use against them as they grow up. Body image, self-image, competition, how people view me, whether or not I'm good at sports, whether or not I'm reading as fast as someone else, whether or not I got all the right answers on the test because they did, whether or not this or that. These are things that children have to deal with daily as they're growing up. So what do I want my children to know? I want them to know that you're beautiful no matter what that God made you and you're special and there's no one else like you. When God made you, he broke the mold. You are uniquely and infinitely valuable to him. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You will always mean so much to us and you will always mean so much to him. Our children need to know that their worth and value are held in the hands of God, not human hands. I want them to be confident in that and the fact that God smiles at them even when someone else looks down on them. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Here's the third thing as we train our children up, we want them to know. You are uniquely gifted and capable of great things. All right? Parents, you are the chief empowerer of your children. Don't just teach them the things you want them to know. Give them the freedom to try things on their own. Give them the freedom to do things that interest them. Present a potential vision for them, right? Help them to figure out what they're good at. Help them to discern what their calling may be. Help them to discern God's plan for their life. 
The Old Testament has a lot to say about parenting and I love, it always contrasts. It always says, here's what you shouldn't do. Here's what you should do, right? And one theme that's repeated over and over and over again when we talk about something generational in the Old Testament is this idea that parents and grandparents and great-grandparents would sit their children down on their laps and paint a picture of a beautiful future for them. And they'd say things like, God is going to bless you. He's going to be faithful to you. Look at how he's been faithful to us. He's gonna be faithful to you too. Listen, we need to give our children a vision for the future that is bigger and broader and more beautiful than just today. I want my children to know that they are uniquely gifted and capable of great things. Here's the fourth thing, number four. Correction is an act of love, not an act of anger. Now we've all failed at this. We've all messed this up at times and we're gonna mess it up again. We've all made this mistake. We're never gonna get it perfectly right. But at the end of the day, I want my children to know that correction or discipline is intended to bring them back to God's pathway for their life. Remember, God disciplines us because he loves us. He corrects us because he loves us. Correction is an act of love, not an act of anger. It must be rooted in love. It cannot be rooted in my feelings. It cannot be rooted in my anger. It cannot be rooted in my vendetta. It has to be rooted in their good. It has to be rooted in their future. Discipline is not just about correcting the past. It's about making a better future. I want my children to know that my correction is an act of love, not an act of anger. With that, here's the fifth thing. I want them to know that God will never run out of grace. There is always going to be more grace available for them. I don't care how scandalous you think that might be. It's true. God will always have more grace than we have sin. God's grace will always be bigger than our sin. Paul says where sin abounds, grace abounds much, much more. Now, he also made it very clear that that's not a free license to just go and sin as much as you want to do, right? That's not what Paul was saying. We should know that when we sin, there's always more grace. When we fail, there's always more grace. When our children make mistakes, we want them to know that God will never run out of grace. There's always going to be more grace available to them because they will mess up. You and I will mess up. We will all make mistakes. Think about all the mistakes you made when you were growing up, right? So they need to know that when they sin, when they make a mistake, there might need to be a consequence. When they mess up, there might need to be some discipline. There might need to be some correction. There might need to be a difficult conversation. But they also need to know that we still love them. They also need to know that God still loves them. They should never doubt that. And they should know that he'll never run out of grace for them. Okay. If you withhold love from your children as an act of discipline, here's what you're doing. You're destroying their image of their heavenly father. That's what you're doing. We don't withhold love from them because God doesn't withhold love from us. You might withhold soda or movies or video games you can withhold all of those things. But we must never withhold love. 
Instead, we let them know your love no matter what. There's always more grace available to you. You made a mistake, but I still love you and I'll never stop loving you. You made a mistake, but God still loves you and he'll never stop loving you, okay? Which leads us into the final thing. I want my children to know that our relationship does not depend on your performance. Our relationship, it does not depend on your behavior because relationship always matters more than performance. Relationship always matters more than behavior. And they might do wrong, but we don't ever cut them off of our love because our relationship with our children should never depend on their performance and they should know that. They should believe that. They should feel that. They should understand that. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to discipline. It's okay to correct. It's okay to state your viewpoint and stand your ground, but you must never sever the flow of love because nothing matters more than deep relational connection and nothing powers that connection better than love. So there's a list of things. Train your children up. This is what we want them to know. I want them to know that they belong in God's family. I want them to know that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. I want them to know that they're uniquely gifted and capable of great, incredible things. I want them to know that the correction that I give them is not an act of anger, it's an act of love. I want them to know that God will never run out of grace for them. And I want them to know that our relationship will never depend on their performance or their behavior. And here's what's so amazing about each of these six things. These are all things that our heavenly father wants us to know. That's it. God should have given up on you and me a long, long time ago, but he never did and he never will. So let's embody that same love with the children that we're raising up and training up. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we come to you today and we thank you so much for your perfect love for us. We pray, God, that you would empower us and help us to embody that divine love when it comes to how we raise our children, when it comes to how we navigate our families. Father, we pray that they would see you in us. May we reflect, God, your perfect love for them. Help us to see discipline not as control, but as a way to nurture the growth and character of our children. Help us to respond, Father, with patience and understanding and gentleness. Give us the strength to set boundaries and to correct with love and compassion, always seeking to teach our children rather than chastise them. Always seeking to restore them to the right pathway rather than casting them out. We pray, God, that you would fill our hearts and our homes with your perfect love. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment this morning. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and you're at a place in your life where those six things are things that you're needing to hear for the very first time today. Maybe 
you're the one that has strayed and you need to be brought back to that pathway that leads you to Jesus. Let me just tell you, he's ready to welcome you with open arms. He loves you and he's never run out of grace for you. You can find forgiveness and salvation in a relationship with Jesus Christ because God sent him to this world and he lived a perfect life, dying a sinner's death on a cross. He was buried in a tomb, but he came out of it alive three days later so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could know him, so that we could experience that forgiveness and eternity in heaven with him. So if that's you today and you just want to place your faith and your trust in Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray this simple prayer with me this morning. Let's make this our prayer together. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.